Hey everybody, uh, this is Dan chiming in. Um, we finished recording the episode, and this is me post-recording in the studio <laughs> by myself just uh, to let you all know that this is a very long episode, um, and it is a... It's an incredibly emotional episode for me and uh, Ryan also. Um, Ryan, being <clears throat> the fantastic person that he is, allowed me to rant, talk, and try to uh, come to grips with and deal with the recent death of my grandmother uh, that I had been estranged from for the past four years. So it's not the typical fair. I understand I'm, I'm, I'm recording this now to let you all know, to give you the opportunity to nope out of this one <laughs> because it is a long episode. Uh, as I said, it's very emotional. I get rambly. I get a little ranty. Um, mainly, it's just me being sad and relating some stories and memories of my grandmother and uh, what happened during her funeral uh, and the few days leading up to the funeral and a day or two past her funeral. <clears throat> but it just, it served, it's, it's me being a selfish bastard uh, and Ryan being the wonderful person that he is and just listening <laughs> to me talk about my grandmother and the events around her funeral, uh, for a little over two hours. Um, so like I said, this isn't our usual fare. I understand uh, if you don't want to listen to it. That's why I'm putting out this uh, opener slash content warning. We talk about her death. We talk about death a lot. We talk about funerals. Uh, we talk about broken family relationships, estrangement, disownment. Um, there's other, the deaths of other family members are mentioned. There is uh, a very small bit about suicide. Uh, one of my uncles uh, died by suicide years and years and years ago. We talk about that. Um, but yeah, this is just me letting you know uh, what this show's about and letting you know you don't have to listen to it. <laughs> if you want our usual stuff, that'll probably happen next week. Maybe the week after, uh, depending on our time, I understand that our episodes haven't been as consistent and regular as usual. Uh, we've mentioned a couple times that life has gotten in the way for all of us lately. Uh, Taylor uh, has had some obligations and wasn't able to uh, join us for this episode, which is probably much to his benefit because it's a very long one. <laughs> it would have been up much later than his bedtime. Um, anyway. I hope you're doing well and 
that you just love and take care of each other. So without any further ado, here's the show. This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. But yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Thursday, November 30th. This is episode 416. My name is Dan Ellis, and I'm joined by one awesome co-host this evening, Mr. Ryan Duffy. How are you, oh, sir? I thought you were going to say Taylor for a second. I'm glad I'm the awesome one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good. Yeah. I just hit my microphone with my hand. Taylor's schedule is a bit hectic, and yeah. he's got to be up super early tomorrow, and the time difference means that he would be staying up with us way too late, so he... Is not joining us this evening. He would rather get more than two hours before probably briefing a high-level military official. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he needs more, needs more shut eye for that kind of stuff. That's that's big boy serious stuff that. Yeah, you need you need to be well rested for for sure. Um, what I know, I have I have a whole fucking lot to say about some personal shit. Uh, yeah. But before we get into that, what's new with you? Well, I I think I talked about it with you earlier. I I've I've gotten into my other addiction. Hmm. Cars. <gasps> Ew. Yeah. Buying cars, selling cars, fixing well, I, cars. I can't I don't have the room for cars anymore. <laughs> like I've had a lot of cars in my life. Uh-huh. Like I wish I could have another sports car. Yeah. Like even even having my old uh uh like 19 I had a 1967 uh, Triumph Spitfire. Oh nice. Technically not a sports car, but it's a little British sports car. The thing was so much fucking fun to drive in the canyons. <laughs> Don't have the space for one of those. Don't have the time to do the maintenance on the thing anymore. I bought myself a sim racing rig. A what now? A, a sim racing rig. So I can drive fun cars on a track in simulation. Oh, wow. So that, well, then you get to pick like all from all kinds of cars. All different kinds of cars. I can, I can do work on them in fake world. Uh, I got myself a whole racing seat and the steering wheel. Oh, what in the hell just happened? Ryan went bye-bye. Ryan has rejoined. Oh, where did I, I, my screen went gray on you. What part did I cut out at? I, I, you must have hit a button on accident or something. No, I've just been, my hands have basically been near my dick. So. <laughs> the real joystick. Yeah. <laughs> no, you said, you said uh, you were, I, I mentioned that you get to pick whatever car you yeah. want to drive. And yeah, so yeah, I get I get to pick it, one of the games that I, I I enjoyed playing since I was a kid mm -hmm. uh, at friends' houses was Gran Turismo. Mm -hmm. So I got the newest version of that right now. And there's like, I think there's like 800 cars in the game you can collect. Oh wow! And modify and tune up and do whatever you want with. So yeah, I, I I've been getting into that since I don't have the time nor space for a real sports car, nor the time and money. 
to take a real sports car down to a racetrack mm -hmm. locally yeah. and uh, destroy tires and parts of it and then be able to fix it. And so, that's a whole lot more yeah. expensive anyway. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, like I looked at uh, one time I was like, ah, oh, it'd be fun to take my Corvette to the track. But I need a set of track tires for that because mm -hmm. road tires won't really do you well. Mm. Well, that's like four grand. Uh-huh. And you're going to use those up pretty fucking quick. <laughs> yeah, that. So getting more into the hobby of sim racing versus actual cars is way cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yet still kind of expensive. Yeah. Uh, one of my one of my old buddies um, owned uh, um, it's an auto body repair shop, and he also built rock crawlers. Oh, yeah. And there's some fucking money in that. Oh yeah, dude. Some of the Especially shit he built. Here. Yeah, some of the shit he built was super expensive. And oh yeah, they would do competitions, and he'd build them for other people and stuff. And yeah, I I know that can be a whole lot of work and a whole lot of money involved yeah. in that shit. So the the sim way is well, and not only is it a lot less expensive, it's a lot safer. You know. It's safer and it's still fun. Like, <laughs> like I was telling you before we were recording, like I got up this morning and I was, uh, I've been doing, uh, the F1 series and doing all the races for that. So you literally have to do all the practice laps and do the research. And it's, it's a fun way to play, but then I had to go to the store and I got my own actual vehicle. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like I've been sitting here in a sim racer for like three hours and now I'm driving a real car and, <laughs> gotta get gotta remember i'm not on a racetrack shit's a little bit different like my whole body shifts around instead of just like the wheel in my hand and stuff oh if 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 i had eight grand to drop i could make my sim seat do the same thing yeah oh yeah they probably got the ones that that are set oh, up yeah, on a platform and tip and tip and rotate and shake oh, wow. i was looking up some of them uh to get like the top of the line shit yeah Oh, yeah, you can spend a hundred grand easy to get a fully immersive sim racing setup. I would need this entire room mm -hmm. to put it in. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds fun. You showed me the the rig you've got now, and it looks like a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, I'm pretty basic right now, but I do plan on upgrading. Don't tell Sarah. <laughs> you know what? If 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 you can, you should, and and have a good time doing it, man. Yeah, it's fun. Enjoy well, your hobbies. What's that? To enjoy your hobbies. Absolutely. Um, yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you don't mind, we'll 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 move on to well, my stuff. Um, yep. There's just been a lot that has happened lately, and um, we didn't record. Last week, because of the holiday, uh, it was Thanksgiving last week. We didn't record the week before that because uh, shit went south. Yeah, well, I'm trying to look at my calendar. The thing that happens to me sometimes is uh, I've had I've had some trauma in my in my past when I was younger, and so. I lose track of dates and times pretty easily. Um, oh, yeah. And, and like, there are whole, 
there are whole moments of my life that are just a, a jumbled mess of time. Like I can't really put things into a great order. Um, you know, that like this happened and then this happened and I did this because of this. And some of that is just because of some early trauma that I had when I was younger. And, um, so we didn't record last week because it was Thanksgiving. The week before that was, um, the, was, was, was the funeral. I'm trying to even remember. Uh, the funeral was just like, it was, I think it was like three days before we planned on recording. Okay. So that would have been Monday, I think. Monday or Tuesday. Anyway, we yeah. didn't record last week because uh, I my grandmother died. Uh, this was my paternal grandmother. She was my last living grandmother on either side of the family. Um, and uh, I have been estranged from her for the last four years now, just over four years, um, because of my father. At, at different points, I since he disowned me, I've referred to him as like my genetic antecedent. Uh, sperm donor. Sperm donor, all that. Just for, for tonight's or this episode's purposes, I'm just going to refer to him as my father. Uh, makes things a little easier. It's not quite a mouth. It's not such a mouth, <laughs> mouthful anyway. And over the last uh, week since the funeral, and, and so I contacted you guys. Uh, mm -hmm. after the funeral, we were, we were set to record on Thursday and just said, Hey, you know, I gave you guys kind of a rundown, um, over text, what had happened and just said, you know, I'm not really in the best yeah. headspace right now. And I, like, I don't, I don't think I'll be very productive or even coherent <laughs> maybe <laughs> when we, when we sit down to record. So sorry, but you know, let's, let's pass for this week. Um, and I've had some time to think about it. And of course, you know, in those moments where I get a break between work and volunteering and uh, social media and just, uh, a ton of other things that I have going on on the side. Um, and, and in those quiet moments, when, when you think to yourself, I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to have this, this great thing. I'm going to map out this whole show, right? I'm going to do this whole thing of, uh, I, I, I was going to, do a record scratch at the beginning of the episode <laughs> and say like, I want to take a, a, a point of privilege, you know, exercise the privilege that we have on this platform, you know, ask you guys if that would be okay. Um, and just say, I want to rant a little bit. And I was going to write out all of my thoughts, um, try to build a somewhat coherent, cohesive <laughs> narrative of everything that had happened. And, you know, for one reason or another, time gets away from you. Um, some of it I avoided because I don't like to think about it a whole lot. <clears throat> and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in your voice. And I know you've been dealing with this for the last four years. And I know um, I don't want to make you cry anymore. Or <laughs> not, not that you are yet. I don't want to make you cry yet. But I know just from the way you've talked about things, um, yeah, your grandmother meant a lot to you. And just like mine, that like my my grandmother that passed away, what, three years ago now? Actually, today would have been her birthday. Mm -hmm. 
Today would have been her 95th birthday if she were she were still around. Um, yeah, I I actually like a few months ago had a complete breakdown in front of Sarah and being like, I miss my grandma. <laughs> like <clears throat> it's hard. Yeah. It, it's yeah. one of those things that doesn't always necessarily get easier. And you the fact that your father took her away from you isn't an easy fucking thing to get through. And I could, I could, I know you have resentment about it and I fucking think you fucking should. <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was really hard. Um, but also, so I, I don't, I don't think we recorded since it happened, but anyway, my yeah. grandmother died. <laughs> you did that to me before. I know, <laughs> I, know I did. And I, <laughs> And you know, I still feel like uh, such a fucking dick about it, and and I'm I'm sorry, completely wildly inappropriate, and uh, I know <clears throat> just that you're so good natured, and I appreciate you um, putting up with me for doing that, <laughs> and I'm sorry. Um, fuck, I didn't realize this was going to be so difficult. I'm sorry. It <clears throat> it it. Uh... It always will be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Yeah. And it's one of those things where yeah, I I feel I feel really weird because it's completely beyond my control, right? Like yeah. like I can't control my own <laughs> my own reaction, my own physical reaction to different mm -hmm. things. And that's that's weird and wild. Um and and upsetting and disturbing that you're so overcome with emotion that you just cannot even can't. talk sometimes. Yeah. That's the way I get. Yeah. Like, and it's hard. I know it's hard to like the, the thing you want to say is right fucking there, mm -hmm. but you just can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and the, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I think we're just going to get into the whole death conversation here now eventually hmm. but it's one of those things that it, it, well it's, i don't think it's shitty to say you knew she was going to die not you don't know when you don't know the day you don't know the circumstances behind it but it's that inevitable thing that you know is going to happen but there is no way to prepare for it like even if you mentally say she's old mm -hmm. this is going to happen no matter fucking what, we are human. We have emotions. And those of us that aren't fucking psychopaths and sociopaths feel that emotion when it fucking happens. Oh, it's nothing yeah. you can just fucking let flow off your back. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'm trying to channel my inner anger <laughs> so, that <I> can, <laughs> so that I can get past <clears throat> the, the just creeping sorrow <laughs> yeah. of the whole thing. Um. So, I didn't even know that she was in poor health, right? Like, I mean, I, she's old. She was yeah. 86 when she died. <clears throat> so, clearly she, you know, was going to have some health complications at, at her age. She'd had colon cancer decades ago that uh, she had surgery for and, and had some complications following that, but, you know, had was living a, a full and happy life. 
uh, still bowled. She had a bowling league. She was in a golfing league. Still went to church when she wasn't in Wendover. Uh, <laughs> this is my <laughs> this is my little my little LDS grandmother. I think she was I think she was like five two, really short, tiny little lady, and. Um, so I, I knew that she was old and, you know, would eventually be coming to the end of the road. And I knew that, uh, even before we became estranged that her, that she had some health issues. Uh, but I thought surely one of my family members would let me know when, or, you know, if her, if her health took a real turn and, she started going downhill. That somebody would let me know. And that didn't happen. <clears throat> so uh, I think it was uh, Wednesday, uh, the 8th. No, it was actually Thursday that I got a message from one of my cousins uh, that just said, hey, I uh, wanted to let you know that uh, Grandma died. <clears throat> and, you know, I saw it, and you initially have the reaction of, oh, wow, that's wild, weird. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't expecting that at all, uh, you know, in the middle, not the middle of the night, but toward the end of the night. It was, you know, we'd had... We'd worked all day, had dinner. We were sitting downstairs watching television, and it was just about the time we were getting ready to go to bed, and I got that message and uh, turned to Tracy and told her about it. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, do you need anything? How are you? <clears throat> all that kind of stuff. And it hadn't hit me. In fact, <laughs> um, I, I haven't really... Uh, apart from one other time, really cried about it a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll probably get to that in a little while. <laughs> but I just kind of set it aside, knowing that, you know, it's late in the night. I've got to work in the next, I've got to work the next morning. I've got other stuff to go, or I've got other stuff to do. So we just kind of went to bed, um, got up the next day, did my work, and all of that kind of stuff. Um and started searching online to see if I could find an obituary to find out when the fun when and where the funeral would be. See if it would discuss, you know, how she died because none of that, like none of that information was shared. It was just, yeah, Grandma's dead. I thought you'd want to know, and uh, I just said thank you. I appreciate you letting me know. Um, didn't really occur to me at the time to ask a whole lot of questions. Um, and, you know, part of that is. Well, you're still in the processing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to trying to process that she's actually gone. Trying to be respectful of uh, the person who reached out to me. I'm sure they were busy with mm -hmm. a bunch of other stuff because they're still a active and welcome member of the family who will be having to help uh, with all of the preparations and, and stuff. As and this time, it wasn't a complete stranger asking you to carry a very heavy casket. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so I uh, couldn't find anything online. 
and just kind of tried not to think about it a whole lot, I guess, throughout the weekend. Um, but there's still that that knowledge, right? That mm-hmm. that well, now I know the grandma's gone. She's yeah. She's no longer around, and. I hadn't had any contact with her for four years apart from, um, I can't remember if it was for Christmas or my birthday last year. I got a card in the mail and it was obviously for my grandmother had her address and, uh, or it didn't actually have her address on it. I just had a stamp. Uh, that I could see that was dropped off at a post office in Brigham City where she lived. And, but it was clearly her handwriting, like instantly recognizable. And uh, I didn't open it for a while. Because I thought, oh, well, neat, what is this? Um, and in my head, I thought, okay, there's a couple possibilities one of them is that this is you know a a card or whatever that says hey i love you i miss you fuck (laughs) i hope to see you soon that you're doing what you're doing well whatever the other option would be that it would be more in line with the last communication with my dad where he disowned me and mm, fuck sorry <laughs> it's hard i know and I'm, you know knowing that those are the two biggest possibilities i i put off opening it for a while <clears throat> i left it on the counter i think for 3 or 4 days and took a picture of it sent it to my mom <laughs> and just said geez, I wonder what's in here. Mm. And she said, you know, we had a little text exchange back and forth. She asked me uh, if I had opened it or what I thought it was or when I got it. Did you did you not want to open it initially because you expected the worst? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I hadn't had any contact with her for three years. And... Then I get this card out of the blue. Hadn't heard anything from my dad, but I finally hear something mm-hmm. from my grandmother. And so, yeah, I thought it was probably just, you know, something from her also writing me off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to receive that kind of news. So, oh, no. so I just set it aside. I figured it was either, it was either that or, um, you know, that it would be, my grandmother was great at guilt trips <laughs> being, she's Mormon. Yeah. Being Mormon stock <laughs> living in Utah her entire life. She was great at guilt trips. Like Catholics, Catholics probably have the Mormons beat as far as guilt <laughs> and, and putting people on guilt trips. But Mormonism, Mormonism is a very close second. I'm sure. Passive aggressiveness and guilt trips. That's mm-hmm. those are the two. Two big themes <laughs> running through Mormonism. of the religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to open it and, and face that. So I, I set it yeah. aside for a while, um, and I think I opened it 
on a Saturday or Sunday um, and thought, okay, well, we'll open it and see what it is. And it was just, <laughs> it was just kind of a random card. And like I said, I can't remember if it was for my birthday or Christmas, but it just said, you know, either happy birthday or happy holidays. I love you, grandma. And there was, <laughs> there was, there was a $20 bill in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, well, that's, that's interesting, <laughs> you know, kind of weird. I hadn't heard from her forever. And it's like, it wasn't even super personalized. Um, it was just, like you were on the list. Yeah. Like she's, she, she had a whole lot of grandkids, great grandkids, and I think a couple uh, great, great grandkids. I'm the oldest grandchild. Uh, the first, <laughs> first one, like I was the oldest grandchild on both sides of the family. And she was really young when they got married. Um, okay. She. As Mormons do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mormons in a small town in Northern Utah. She was 14. Oh shit. When she got pregnant with wow. with my oldest uncle. Following in Joseph Smith's steps. And got married at the age of 15 and gave birth. Oh shit. Um and you know, there's all kinds of uh neat stories I remember of her and my grandfather talking about their early dating years and um, like he, <laughs> when they, when they built their house, it was on a dirt road, no sidewalks, no paved anything. And they just built their house kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> like there was, there was a somewhat maintained dirt road in the front of the house. And that's the only house they ever really had together. They lived uh -huh. uh, for a while, uh, I think in Southern Idaho or, or much farther Northern Utah, while my grandfather worked on some tunnels through some of the canyons. Um, he did that for a while. And then uh, they ended up building their house in Brigham City. But, um, you know, there, there are a bunch of stories about when they first started dating of uh, she lived in Bear River, he lived in Brigham City, and it was, a, you know, it's a fair distance in between. And he would ice skate during the <laughs> winter on the Bear River to go and visit my grandmother. <laughs> you know, he'd ice skate up and down the river back and forth. And that was just kind of fun. Huh. Um, well, so I get this card, and, and it's just a generic thing. And I just kind of set it aside and thought, okay, well, that's weird. And I'm sorry this is going to be hugely rambling and disjointed because that's just the nature of, of me recalling different of, things of and, and inserting them. <laughs> so at least the card you received wasn't bad news. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was neutral. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it wasn't really necessarily good news, and it definitely yeah. wasn't bad news. It was just kind of. Uh, I, I pictured that you know she probably just had created an assembly line of all of the cards that she's filling out and sending to all of her grandkids and and that's, great grandkids. That's why I said you were still on the the Christmas card list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just kind of weird that it happened after three years, and I just thought, well, yeah. you know, maybe this is uh, is this is an opening maybe that she wants to talk or try to reconcile or she wants to establish contact. But because it was so generic and it wasn't like, it, I don't even think it had my name on it except for on the envelope. It was just mm -hmm. like, you know, Merry Christmas or happy birthday. Love grandma. And there wasn't a clear indication that it was, Hey, I'd like to talk to you yeah. or Hey, I'd like to see you. And so I just figured, okay, well maybe grandma's, 
gotten a little senile <laughs> and was just busy, you know, filling out cards for whatever. And that's how I ended up getting this. And so it must have been Christmas. Um, Grandma forgot the family doesn't, doesn't talk to Danny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole family. Uh, so my full name is Danny Shay Ellis. And so within my family, most people call me Shay um, um, on both my mom and dad's side of the family. And it's because my father's name is also Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Danny Lynn. I'm Danny Shay, and I don't know why the I don't know why parents do this kind of shit to their kids, giving them the same name but then not using the name that they've given them. <laughs> like that's fucking weird and annoying. <laughs> and and then in grade school, because my uh, because the name that everybody was using for me happens to rhyme with gay. Of course, oh. uh, I got tired of of using that name, and so I started going by Dan and Danny in in mm-hmm. school when it was up to me or or when the teachers would ask what you would like to be called that's what i would say and so ever since then like my family calls me shay everybody else calls me dan and um so that's that's all of that but so i get this <laughs> message from a family member saying grandma's dead put it aside for a little while don't try not to think about it a whole lot um and then uh i made a post on Facebook that just kind of outlined um, the past four years of having no contact with her and that she had died and, you know, just some of the, some of the abuse or, or some of the, I, I talked a little bit about some of the abuse um, from my father mm-hmm. uh, directed toward me, toward my mother my sister, all of his ex-wives. Um, I don't know if he was physically abusive to all of his ex-wives, but he was certainly for some of them, definitely mentally abusive, definitely verbally abusive. And when I was a kid, I got all three. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, so I've, I tried for a really long time to uh, just have, some kind of stable relationship with him. I'd help him when he needed help. I'd go to family parties, try to put up with his bullshit. Um, And there came a point in my teenage years, well, not my teenage years, I was in my early 20s, and he was roofing, he was re-roofing his garage and asked me to come and help. And so I was on the roof with him helping re-roof, and he got upset with me for something. And I, you know, he, he was grousing the whole time we were doing it. Got upset with me for not doing something exactly the way he wanted. And I, I just laid it out. Like, I, I, I realized I had this sudden realization in my head. Like, you know what? I'm a grown-ass adult. I don't have to fucking be here. <laughs> and I told him that. I said, you know what? I don't have to fucking be here. I'm here helping you. You can either accept that help. And tell me what I'm doing wrong and be nice about it. Or I can fucking leave, but I'm not going to sit here and have you talk to me like that. While I'm here helping you for free, like, fuck off with all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think he kind of had an oh shit moment like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, he's he's an adult now. (laughs) (laughs) And he's not just going to put up with any kind of abuse I throw at him. And so that that changed our, the dynamic of our relationship a little bit. Like, um, he was a little more careful about some of the things that he would, that he would say around me. Um, but 
one of the last times that I saw my grandmother was for her 82nd birthday, I believe it would, would have been. Okay. And it was at a LDS church, of course, because she's got a large family and a small home and we needed somewhere where everybody could gather. That's where it was. And during that party, one of my cousins uh, who I hadn't seen for, for a long time, um, maybe it was her 80th birthday. Anyway, it was a, it was a large family gathering for her birthday. And um, my father sidled up to me and just out of the blue sidled up to me and pointed at some kid sitting at the, at the other end of a, of a long table in the, uh, in the church and said, you see that kid down there? I said, yeah. Well, apparently he no longer thinks that he's a he. Now he thinks he's a she. And I turned to him and I just said, don't say shit like that to me. And he got this smile on his face like he thought I was joking around with him. And I'm like, no, seriously, don't say bigoted, hateful shit like that to me. Why would you even say that to me? And it like it 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 made me so fucking mad. Like, mm-hmm. what in my entire life have I done wrong to make you think that that would ever be something that you should fucking talk to me about? Like, where did I go wrong that you thought I was the kind of a person that you could approach with that kind of bigoted bullshit? That would agree with that. That would, yeah, that think that would think that that's oh so fucking funny, you fucking asshole. Like, why? Like, I want to know now where I went wrong. What, what, where is my personal failing that you thought that it would be okay to talk to me about that? And he then he got a little confused and hurt look on his face and just said, oh well, never mind. And it was not long thereafter that uh, my son's birthday was coming up. And both of my kids, uh, both of my kids uh, are members of the LGBTQ community. Um, my youngest is trans and my oldest uh, is gay or bi. Um, I'm not sure which he identifies more with, but he's, he's had a male partner for a very long time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, last, last two partners have both been male. He initially, he identified as bi, um, but ever since then, he's only had male partners. And now, I mean, he's been with his current partner for, I think, close to five years now. They've bought a home. Well, they've bought a home together. Yeah, I remember. I remember they got that home together, and the backyard was full of dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but so my and and throughout my kids' lives, uh, any family party that we had, my dad would end up saying some hurtful, bigoted, fucking nonsense. Mm-hmm. When my kids are there at celebrations for their for their birthdays or at just family parties for somebody else's birthday or, or a holiday or whatever, like wasn't there the instance where it wasn't at Christmas where he was trying to stealthily give them like books of Mormon for <laughs> the holidays and that was that was so a, you wouldn't see it yeah that was a Father's Day that <laughs> I that I took them to his house to have dinner with him and he. Yeah, surreptitiously took them to a back room and gave them each. Creepy. Yeah, gave them each the Mormon quad. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, that is the uh, four texts that are used within the LDS faith. Of course, there's the King James version of the Bible, the uh, Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants for the LDS faith, and the Pearl of Great Price. Mm-hmm. Um, and. 
you know, gave that to them and apparently also mentioned to them that my dead sister was talking to him through the carbon monoxide detectors in the home by flashing lights on them. Um, that means you need to change the battery, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when I first learned that, okay, maybe dad's cheese has started to slide off his cracker a bit. Um, and it was several months later, maybe a year or more later, that one of my cousins contacted me out of the blue to say, hey, is your dad okay? <laughs> this is when we were still, you know, speaking and I'd still see him and everything. Um, and I said, well, he's got some issues. What specifically are you talking about? And this cousin of mine said, well, you know, we were at a family event and he started going off about how Mindy, my dead sister, is talking to him through the carbon monoxide detectors. And he's gotten like super religious. He's started going back to church and and I had to explain to him, oh, well, yeah, he had a he had a health scare not too long ago and, you know, nearly died in the hospital. And ever since then, he's become this, you know, holier than thou uh, sort of religious extremist and is, you know, regularly attending the LDS church now because he figures he's got to get right with God before he fucking dies. Uh, you know, I guess I guess living your entire life as a giant fucking bastard and then almost dying will scare some people. <laughs> um, and when he was in the hospital, I, you know, I, I heard that he had taken a turn for the worse and was summoned. My grandmother was actually the person who contacted me and uh, wanted to let me know that my dad was not faring well <laughs> and that, you know, I, that he may go and that if I wanted to see him, I should come and see him. So I left work and went to the hospital and took the next two days off work and went to the hospital for the next two days after that. And when he recovered, um, he called me to let me know how angry he was with me for not seeing him at the hospital because hmm. he had no fucking idea that I had been there because he was in and out of consciousness and on drugs and was very angry with me for not going to see him. And of course that was just a whole other level of you miserable fucking asshole. <laughs> like I told him on the phone, like, look, asshole, I was there for three fucking days. I took time off work to come and see you while I was in a new job and still learning the ropes and told them, look, if it means that I have to lose this job, so be it. My dad's in the fucking hospital and might die. And then for you to call and accuse me of not even going there and thinking that I'm the asshole in this situation, like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I said, talk to grandma. She will let you know that I was there. And apparently even after talking to her, well, maybe he never even did uh, because he still carried it with him that I, that I was too cold and callous to even go and see him in the hospital when he was on his deathbed. Anyway... Uh, I get this call from my cousin, my grandma, or I get this text from my cousin. It's a Facebook message, actually. Uh, says that my grandmother's dead. Set it mm -hmm. aside. Look for an obituary for a long time. Don't find one. And then I make that post on Facebook talking about uh, some of the history with my father and my grandmother and that she had dead, that I was still sorting through my feelings about it. I wasn't sure what to think or feel. Uh, I was still kind of assessing uh, my own thoughts about it. And that if there's one thing I know for sure, it's that religion is not a uniting force. It's one of the most divisive forces that mm -hmm. I can think of. When you've got God on your side, anything and everything is acceptable. Uh, I think we've seen 
I don't know, countless examples of that throughout history. Well, I think I even made a comment to you about your, the way your father was treating the situation uh, and said, oh, so uh, religion isn't toxic? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then I just kind of sat with that for a little bit and and started to explore how I thought and felt about things and wondering how things were going to go down. Uh, still kept just doing online searches at the mortuaries that are there in Brigham City, knowing that it would be uh, one of the two or three that are there, searching their websites to see if anything had been posted. When I was contacted by another cousin of mine um, who said that they were putting together the slideshow mm -hmm. and wanted to know if they could use the picture that I had posted in that post that I made on Facebook. And I just replied and said, so I'm guessing you mean like a slideshow to be shown during the funeral or the viewing? Uh, of course you can. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I have any other pictures and, uh, we'll let you know about it, but I, you know, I don't know anything about any funeral plans, any viewing, anything. So if you have any information to share, that would be great. And that cousin replied back and said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, there hasn't been an obituary published yet. Uh, they're still working out the plans, but I was given the task of preparing the slideshow. And I said, okay, yeah, great. Um, then I went out and organized all of the photos that I had, uh, put them into um, Google, and then just sent her a link to that so that she she could download them. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I don't. I, I'm I'm probably exposing a little bit too much information about this cousin. <laughs> I'm trying to keep their names out of it because my dad is such a vindictive asshole and does not know that they have contacted me. And we'll get to some of that in a minute. Um, why I'm trying to keep them out of it. Uh, but, um, so I just said, sure, of course you can use them. She said, thanks, great, whatever. And then I think it was the next day or the day after, I finally found the obituary online and just sent a link to, to her and said, hey, here's the obituary. Um, you know, let me know if you need anything else, blah, blah, blah. And... That was basically that. I told Tracy about the obituary. Um, you know, of course, it's got the details for when the viewing, there were two different viewings, when those were going to be, where the funeral is going to be held, where she's going to be interred, all of that kind of shit. And uh, Tracy read it and said, so do you want to go to the funeral? And like funerals have never been a thing that I'm happy to go to. Like nobody no. wants to go to a no, funeral. No. Very few no. people <laughs> want yeah. to go to a funeral, right? Yeah. And it's it's something that I uh, maybe avoid a little bit more than most. I don't know. but I'm I, on the same boat yeah. with you. I, yeah. I hate funerals. Oh, yeah. Because to me, I, I I don't know if psychologically going to the funeral is that is, is the, is, it's the last step mm -hmm. in admitting this is true. Mm -hmm. So the longer you can hold that thought off that this has actually happened, this is reality, this is what's going on, like 
the it's not until you step up to that casket you go oh shit mm -hmm. i the whole whatever seven parts of going through grief and whatever like yep oh yeah i am now standing at the precipice of realizing there is no more denying this there is the is acceptance no more part. pretending mm -hmm. this has happened and here is the proof mm -hmm. yeah and like my family and it's a, it seems to be a cultural thing in brigham city if you go to the brigham city if if any of our listeners if you dear listener are ever <laughs> in utah and happen to be anywhere near the brigham city utah cemetery um it's a lovely cemetery and nearly every goddamn headstone in there is decorated year round. Like oh, shit. there are flowers and bouquets and decorations and stuffed animals and balloons and fucking it's the everything. carnival of cemeteries for, <laughs> for, for just no, like not, it's not Memorial day. It's not that yeah. person's birthday or anyhow. Like it's just a year round thing. Like so many graves there are visited and decorated on the regular and it's become almost like a, like a competition of keeping up with the Joneses of, well, who has, who loves their rel dead relatives well, more and has decorated and spent more time at their graves. I will say that is very on par for Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like keeping up with the Joneses. Who's got the oh. nicest, newest thing in their driveway. Oh yeah, who for can, sure. Who can decorate <laughs> a headstone the best. <laughs> well, and I can remember, I can remember being younger and hearing the adults around me talk about, Oh, did you see so-and-so's grave? I just can't believe that they didn't even go and decorate it this year. Or, oh, well, our decorations are so much better. Or, oh, did you see that so-and-so, they've got battery-powered lights out there on, on the gravestone and they're flashing and they've got a little, you know, animatronic thing. Like, like it's re it's always been really fucking weird to me. Yeah. What level of society are, are we at where you're being graded on how well you decorate a fucking gravestone? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's always bizarre. Like, funerals... I, I'm never, they've never, they've never really been my thing, but what has most definitely not been my thing is going to a cemetery to stare at a headstone and, you know, visit or think about what, whatever person you're there to see or visit or think about it. For me, it's always been, um, much more cathartic and helpful and pleasant to either do something that I did with that person when they mm -hmm. were alive or, visit a place where we spent time together. Uh, and that being said, I do like to just walk around a cemetery as long as I don't know anybody in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cemeteries are great. They're, they're usually very peaceful like, places. Just yeah. looking at the old cool, like, uh, um, uh, not like the tombs that people built, like the fucking money people spend. And I remember back home going to the cemetery there where there's a gravestone there, where I can't remember the story was like the guy's dog wouldn't leave. So they interned the dog when he had passed away in the cemetery next to the owner. Oh, it was an actual full sculpture, like stone granite sculpture of this dog sitting there looking at the other uh, grave. Oh, I always thought that was cool. Dogs are the best. Yeah. <laughs> I told Tracy that last night. I'm like, I don't, how can anybody just not like dogs? Like that just, it's beyond me. Anyway, um, <clears throat> So I get the message from my cousin about the pictures. I reply back with the obituary the next day. And Tracy asks me if I wanted to go to the funeral. And 
my immediate thought, both because I don't like funerals, mm-hmm. uh, but also because, um, you know, you don't want to face that. But then too, I think the biggest thing for me was I know through one of my cousins who contacted me afterward and told me about it, that at one of the family gatherings shortly after my father disowned me, he told everybody in attendance that they were to have no contact with me, mm-hmm. that he had disowned me because I was mean to him and I was out of the family. Nobody else should contact me, have anything to do with me. Your your mentally unstable father told the rest of the family to <laughs> forget you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I'm the bad guy. Um, and because of that, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't really seen or talked to almost anybody out of the family, save for one or two cousins who, uh, still would reach out and contact me every now and then for different things. Or, you know, we'd, we'd visit, just say hi, check in on each other, that kind of stuff. But by and large, my, my very large extended family had followed my dad's instruction Mm -hmm. to have no contact with me. And I knew that they would all be grieving and had been told that I was unwelcome and unwanted. And I didn't want to interrupt their grieving process and disturb them uh, by being a person that they had been told and maybe felt was not wanted there, right? Mm -hmm. That that would just heap more anxiety misery, anger, whatever other feelings that they would feel that, that my presence would just amplify or aggravate those feelings. And I, so I thought about that and told Tracy, you know, I don't, I don't think I want to go Mm -hmm. because of that. Like, I don't, I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want there to be a ruckus. I don't want to upset anybody else more than they already are. I've been basically kicked out of the family. I've had no contact with any of these people. <clears throat> and Tracy said, you know, it's it's not up to them and it's not about them. It's about you. And mm-hmm. what would you want to do and what will help you get through this? And I thought about it for a while and we talked about a couple other things. Then we returned to the conversation about the funeral and I told her, okay, yeah, I think I would like to go and just have that bit of closure because my father cut me off from her and Mm -hmm. I'd had no contact with her for four years other than that card. And now she's dead. So I had no other kind of closure, and there would be no other kind mm-hmm. of closure uh, if I didn't attend the funeral. And I would just like to say that that four years of separation was no fault of yours. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was hard. I thought, you know, that, that it, some point during that time, she would uh, maybe reach out, but I, I mean, it, I mean, as abusive as you've, your father has been and as 
controlling in every other parts of life as he's been him controlling this was out of your hands yeah 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 i appreciate and that. i know it i know it sucks it's shitty and you know i, I on one hand i can I, I can feel the the same wish saying well i wish you would have just defied him and and reached out i don't we no one knows you don't know i don't know what her mental thinking was on, well, I might rely on my son for these things. And if I do this, am I going to lose this relationship? Mm -hmm. But, and they, dad was a piece of shit. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they, so I don't want you to beat yourself up over that. Oh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. And they, you know, they had a, they had a pretty close, pretty close relationship and they spent a lot of time together. <clears throat> And, you know, my father and I have a hard time or I've tried really hard not to blame him so much for a lot of the stuff because, you know, he, he probably was a bit of a broken person too. He was born, I think like three months premature in 1956, <laughs> which is hard to survive. Like they, they didn't, they didn't figure that he was going to survive for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they basically told my grandmother to go home. They do what they could. Um, but I learned <clears throat> during the funeral that, uh, she was still, uh, she would go to the hospital every day. Um, uh, she had, one baby at home that she was taking care of mm -hmm. and had uh, birthed my father very, very prematurely. And she was still going to the hospital every day to just sit with him, to nurse him, uh, get the skin, skin to skin contact and spend time with him. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if maybe, you know, I've always thought, well, maybe he was just a little fucked up. <laughs> like he wasn't done baking yet, you know. There was, <laughs> there's, there's a reason that he's he was a still squishy inside. Yeah, there, there's a reason he's as shitty as he is sometimes. So I've tried really hard to to not blame him a ton for stuff. Um, I think that's kind of uh, why I'm also well, <clears throat> why I also like to talk about free will versus determinism, yeah. right? Um, and that some of that was that probably hand, beyond his control, but is is why you know the real the religion can spoil. Oh yeah, yeah, can can rot, <laughs> mm -hmm. can rot what's left of a brain. Um, like I said, if if you think God's on your side and and wants you to do things, then there's no holds barred. You've you've got the ultimate authority at your back telling you what to do. Um. So, you know, she, she would still go and see him and, and they had that kind of relationship. Um, but I told Tracy that I would need, you know, that I felt like I would need some bit of closure. And so mm -hmm. then she asked, okay, well, do you want to go to the viewing? Uh, the first viewing was the night before, uh, the eve, you know, late afternoon, evening before the funeral. Um, the following day was going to be, Typically, the way LDS funerals work is that you have uh, viewing um, outside the church, usually at the mortuary, uh, for people who are unaffiliated with the church. 
<laughs> or may not want to spend the time in the church for whatever reason. And then the next day you'll have a viewing at the church and then you have, uh, you know, the funeral and everything there at the church before you head to the cemetery for interment. So I said, well, I don't want to go to uh, the evening viewing because I'd like to go to the funeral and, you know, driving there and back uh, two days in a row would probably just be a bit much. I said, so I think what we ought to do is um, we'll go to the funeral and the way, so another way that LDS uh, funerals work is that you'll have a viewing during the day for however long, usually, usually a couple hours. And then you've got like a half hour to an hour break between that and the actual funeral. Um, and that, that half hour to an hour is when the family gathers in the viewing room and they do a family prayer and, you know, you just kind of commiserate and visit and <laughs> commiserate and visit with close family members. And so I said, well, what we ought to do or what I would like to do is we'll go there for the day of the funeral and we'll just show up late ish toward the end of the viewing so that we can go in, um, you know, dip into the viewing real quick. And she said, well, do you want to stay for like the family prayer and everything? And I said, well, I don't know that I would be welcome and I don't want to upset other people. So let's just kind of play it by ear, see how it goes. Uh, so we drove up there. Uh, the viewing was scheduled to end, I think at 1030 and we got there at about 1015 mm. and uh, we drove up there. Holy shit, we're almost at an hour already recording, and I'm <laughs> I'm not even fucking really getting into this shit. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, this is going to be a long episode. You feel free to pause it, return to it later if you need to. I'm not going to release it in two parts because that would just that's not going to be a thing. Anyway, as long as we can take a break at one point, because I could, I do have to pee. Yeah, you want to take a break now? Let's do that. Let's let's, let's let's take a break. We'll pick up at at funeral stuff. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk about the funeral. Uh, during the interstitial bit, we talked a lot about Elon Musk and his <laughs> his failed enterprises. Yeah. Cybertruck being uh, chief among them that we talked about mostly. Anyway... Uh, we were we were approaching the funeral, so Tracy and I drive from the house up to Brigham City. It's a little over an hour from where we live up to where the funeral was being held. Uh, we arrive. Um, I parked on the opposite side of the church from where everybody else had parked <laughs> because. I have the atheist license plates. I don't know if we're welcome. I don't know what we're walking into. Like, I want to make sure that if we need to, we can make a clean getaway kind of thing, right? Um, but also, how shitty is that? Oh, super shitty. Where I've done the same thing because I have certain stickers on my car. Yeah. Where I'd be like, I should probably park over here so no one gets, not offended, but I don't have to fucking hear about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, for for the most part, I don't give a fuck if people are offended by me just stating part of who I am and what I believe. Yeah. 
especially when what they believe is patently fucking absurd and nonsense. Um, but also, we're going to a funeral in a very conservative small town in northern Utah. And it's a bunch of family members, and I don't know if we're going to be welcome. Whatever. So, yeah, yeah. We park on the opposite side of the church from where most everybody else has parked. And then we walk around the church over to the uh, entrance where everybody else has been entering the church. And for those of you who don't know, um, if you are listening to this and have never been into, have never seen the inside of an LDS church, they're all pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the very center of the church, you have two sections, uh, two large sections. One of them uh, is a stage and a carpeted basketball court. <laughs> it's usually carpeted. Some of, the, some of the older chapels don't. Some of the newer ones don't. I haven't actually been in a whole lot of churches recently for obvious reasons or what should be obvious reasons. But the last one I was in had a wooden basketball court. Oh, okay. So they had wooden floors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of them... Um, at least when I was younger and the churches that I attended had carpeted floors, even in the basketball court. Um, so they've got, that's, that's one section that's in the middle. That's like half of the, the center of the building. The other half is the chapel full of pews. They've got the dais, uh, set up above everybody else with some seats for the bishopric. The bishopric is the... Uh, collection of leaders of the local congregation. That's your bishop, your first counselor, people of that sort and ilk, right? People who may be I've, uh, speaking. I've never been allowed in that room. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's, it's people who may be speaking on any given Sunday, basically. And it's also where funerals are held. Mm-hmm. So we enter through uh, the side of the church. Um, they're all set up as large rectangles. Where in the center, like I said, you've got the basketball court and then you've got on the other half of it is like the chapel. Um, When you first enter through the doors on the side of the church, you are presented with a small uh, entryway and a door usually into either the chapel or the basketball court where there's also a stage for various purposes, whatever they happen to be using the church for. And then you've got hallways that basically ring the exterior of both the basketball court and the chapel. So we walk in and we're in the the entryway there and there are couches set on either side of the entryway and a table and they've got a television with uh, that's displaying the slideshow of Mm -hmm. pictures collected from various family members throughout that were taken throughout my grandmother's life of, of her and of her with other people uh, doing various activities and things and stuff and junk. And sitting on one of the couches um, is one of my cousins. It's the cousin who reached out to me to let me know that my grandmother had died. It's one of the few cousins that has actually like stayed in contact with me and kept in touch. And so we walk in and that cousin stands up and gives me a big hug and says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you made it. And actually, the night before, I sent this cousin a message on Facebook and just said, hey, um, thank you so much for reaching out to let 
me know about grandma's funeral and that she died and everything. Um, I just want to let you know that Tracy and I will be attending the funeral tomorrow. And the reply back I said, the reply back that I received was, oh, that's great news. I'm, I'm excited to see you. I'm so glad you're going to be going. I uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow. So we get there. Uh, that cousin stands up, gives me a big hug, says, hey, it's good to see you. I'm, you know, I'm so sorry about everything that has happened in the family over the last few years, uh, but I'm really glad you're here. I'm excited to see you. And then just a bunch of other cousins and other relatives started moving toward us and we're all super, super warm, welcoming, happy to see us thanked us for being there, said that they were very sorry about how everything has gone over the last few years. And <clears throat> I was talking to, you know, I, and, and a lot of these family members haven't met Tracy before, uh, mm. or it's been, or it's been a very long time. Um, some of them that were collected there in the, in the entryway or that came over after they saw us arrive were relatives that I hadn't seen for a decade or more for a really long time. Um, and you know, they came over and said, Hey, how, how great it is to see me. And they were so glad I was there and all of that warm, welcoming, uh, loving kind of people that you would hope and expect wherever you're going, especially if you're grieving. Right. Yeah. And so we chatted for a little bit and I introduced, uh, Tracy to the people that I knew, she hadn't met or hadn't seen in a long time and reminded her of their names and vice versa. And, uh, then I checked my watch at one point and saw that it was like 10 20 and the viewing was set to end at 10 30. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to hurry and try to scoot over to the viewing, uh, to see grandma before the viewing ends. Um, but you know, I hope that I, we can visit a bit more later. I'll see you later. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you hadn't gone to, gone to, the, gone to see her yet. So uh, we leave the little gaggle of people that had gathered in the entryway. And as I said, if you enter in a side entrance, uh, you're presented with a, with a door af after you enter the building that goes into the chapel or, or the basketball court. And usually there's like a folding divider where they can separate that and then make it one giant room in the center. Um, and then we're, we're, just we're the heathens and the good people can yeah. converge. Yeah. And then, like I said, there are, there are hallways that ring the outer perimeter of that. And then on the opposite side of that interior where there's the basketball court slash stage area and the chapel, there are like, there's a church library, there are church office buildings. There's usually like a kitchen, bathrooms, all of that kind of shit. And it's, you know, a long hallway that basically rings that whole interior area. And so <clears throat> we moved past that gaggle of people and I looked down the hallway toward where the room was where they were holding the viewing. And I see that basically in the center of the hallway is my oldest uncle. He's the only, my grandmother, my grandparents had four sons, um, my, my uncle Dave is the oldest. My dad was second. Uh, my uncle Rick was born third 
and is only uh, ten, uh, was only 10 months uh, separate in birth age from my father. But my father was born like three months premature. So really they were like only separated by seven months biologically. Shit. And they grew up, they were, they were the closest of the, of the brothers. And then there was the baby Jeff, um, who died in an explosion at Thiokol (laughs) in the eighties. Um, if you, if you search on the internet for an explosion at Thiokol in the, in the eighties, I think it was, is either 82 or 84. There, there have been a few, but he was in the explosion at Thiokol that claimed the lives of, I believe four people, four, maybe five. And he was the one who lived through the initial explosion and then was uh, life flighted to university hospital, or I'm sorry, LDS hospital, and uh, died there in the hospital. He had third degree burns over 90% of his body. And like it was no real chance of survival, but he lived through the initial blast and they did what they could for a while. And then he died there in the hospital. But that was the baby of the family. Yeah. And he was As the a first. Side note, if you go to Thiokol buildings now, uh-huh. it looks like a jungle gym because they have slides on the outsides of some of the buildings. To try to escape if there's a. Try to escape if something yeah. goes wrong. You can <laughs> jump in a slide and get the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah. Well, in this, the explosion he was in like leveled the building and blew oh, okay. him. I want to say they said it was like a hundred yards away from the building. He was stripped Holy of shit. almost all of his clothing. Like. Just blown away. Shouldn't have survived. No, no, shouldn't have shouldn't have survived the initial blast, but did. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so I see this hallway. My oldest uncle is there. I, I've only got of the four boys, uh, two are dead. My uncle Jeff died in the explosion. Mm-hmm. My uncle Rick uh, was a raging alcoholic and uh, almost drank himself to death several different times. And then ended up, uh, he, he took his own life, uh, put a shotgun under his chin one day. Um, more on that, maybe in another episode, maybe even during this one. I don't know. This is all a weird tangle of family shit. So you're just going to have to put up with it for a minute, everybody. Um, and I look down the hallway and I see my uncle Dave standing there and he's talking to somebody that's about in the middle of the hallway. Uh, down toward the room where they're holding the viewing at the end of the hallway, just outside the room where the viewing is being held. I see my father and he's standing there talking to somebody and I can see a profile of him. Um, He happens to turn his head as, as I'm looking down the hallway, sees me there and kind of does this weird, like stutter shuffle, like, Oh shit, where do I go? What do I do? What do I do? Mm. What's going on? Kind of thing. And I thought, oh, he's seen me. He will, you know, either try to confront me or do something or he'll just, you know, fuck off for a little bit so that I can go and see my dead grandmother at the viewing Mm -hmm. and try to get some closure. Um, We're walking down the hall. I'm, I'm super nervous, anxious, feeling all kind. I'm feeling all the feels. And... I had cotton mouth like you wouldn't believe because I'm so nervous and anxious and had just been talking to people. So I stop at the drinking fountain that's just a few steps down the hallway. I bend down to get a drink 
And Tracy said that the whole time we were in there, she was on high alert, like scanning the throngs of people to see <laughs> where any potential threats may lie. <laughs> you know, she was your your Rottweiler. Yeah, she's she's the person who's on guard for any kind of disturbance. And meanwhile, I'm like, I've got blinders on and I'm trying to keep my head down, just like try not to disturb anybody. I don't want to cause a ruckus. I don't want there to be any confrontation. Like. We're all here to grieve, ostensibly, right? That's that's the whole purpose mm -hmm. of this. And people will just let other people grieve in their own ways, and they'll try to stay out of each other's way and whatever. And also, though, that I didn't want to upset anybody, I'm just, I'm just keeping my head down. I don't want there to be any issues. So I get a drink and uh, finish that, and we continue walking down the hallway. My uncle was still talking to somebody when he walked past them, and Tracy said that she saw him look at us and he recognized me. And then I think probably continued the conversation with whoever he was talking to just to avoid having to say anything to me. For, and, and that's understandable. I, I, I yeah. get it. He hadn't seen me in a very long time, was told not to have any communication with me. And here I am at the funeral for his mother. So we walk past him and as we're getting closer to the viewing area, I see my dad glance up the hall and see us walking toward him again. And he does that same kind of looking around like, what do I do? What do I do? And dismisses whoever he's talking to. And instead of like backing or, you know, going down the other hallway or leaving or whatever, goes into the viewing room and sits down in a chair right next to the, to the coffin, right next to the casket at the head of the casket where my grandmother is and then scoots the chair as close as he fucking can get mm -hmm. to the casket and is sitting there almost like he's going to wrap his arms around the casket and is protecting it like a fucking gargoyle. Like he's ready to block you out. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, well, I guess I know now that he's not going to just allow me to grieve, that he's not going to allow me to spend any time... Uh, you know, at the side of the casket to really see my grandmother or anything. And so I saw that going on and then I saw a couple people shuffle into the room and make their way toward the casket. And I thought, okay, well, I can let them go and see my grandmother and then maybe they'll see my father and distract him or whatever. So we're in the viewing room and we kind of divert off to the right where they've got a table set out with you know, a bunch of family pictures and trophies that my grandmother, she had two fucking holes in one during her <laughs> life. I've not had a single one. Say, she's a better golfer than you. <laughs> she had trophies there for two holes in one. Uh, she had a bunch of bowling trophies and pictures of various adventures and stuff. She was a very active lady. And <clears throat> so I'm showing Tracy, you know, the, the, trophies and some of the pictures and pointing out family members that are in the pictures and explaining, oh, this is my grandmother's, you know, two brothers and her sister and their wives. And this is when they went to Las Vegas, or this is when they went wherever. This is when they went to the Grand Canyon. This is them golfing, all of these different things. And uh, I can then see that these two women who had entered the viewing room uh, were talking to my dad. And I thought, oh, okay, well, now is the opportunity. He's a little distracted. I can go and stand by the cost. I can go and, you know, at least peek in the casket and have that bit of closure of mm -hmm. seeing 
this person actually laid out in the casket and that they're gone. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we started, you know, slowly kind of making our way over there. And I can see him like looking past the, the women that are standing there and uh, sees me. And I can see him like, you know, shifting himself even closer to the casket, like to where he's, his shoulder is bumping up against the casket. <sighs> and I realized then that he's either going to cause a scene. No, he's he, like, he is going yeah. to cause a scene if I get much closer. So I just kind of abandoned that and figured, okay, well, I guess now I know that I'm not going to be able to spend any time at the side of the casket to say goodbye. And I know that we're not going to be welcome to stay in the viewing room for the family prayer and all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, again, just me keeping the blinders on and my head down, uh, turn and make my way toward the door. I exit the door, walk out into the hallway, and now we're standing <clears throat> at the elbow of the of the large, long hallway on the side of the building mm -hmm. and the shorter hallway. And, uh, you know, we leave the room and I just turned to Tracy and I said, do you need to go to the bathroom? Because I got to go to the bathroom because it's the morning. We've had coffee. We just drove more than an hour to get there. I'm nervous and I got to go pee. So, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go to the restroom. I start walking down the hall and I get almost to the end of the hallway before I'm around, before I'm about to round the other corner. And I hear Tracy say, oh, Dan, Dan. And I turn and then I hear, hey. And I look down the hallway and it's my cousin Brandon, um, who I had always viewed growing up. I mean, we were, we were very close in age. Our, uh, his my cousin Brandon's father was my uncle Rick. Um, and you know, our fathers were really close. We hung out all the time. Brandon was the brother that I never had. Um, we, you know, we, we were raised and treated each other as brothers our entire lives up until, I don't know, fairly recently, uh, within the last decade or so. Um, maybe, maybe a bit longer. <laughs> He's, he, uh, Brandon is following in his father's footsteps uh, to a large degree. He, he was a raging alcoholic, in and out of jail, domestic abuse, uh, can't maintain a job forever. Free will. So we, we didn't stay in close contact for the last while. But I hear Tracy saying my name, and I turn and I see him, and I was like, oh. And, you know, he's like, Hey. And I thought it was a, he's going to say, hey, fucker, where you been? Or whatever, like a friendly, hey, mm -hmm. what's going on? Come over here. So I turn around with a big shit-eating grin on my face, start walking down the hall, and I've got my arms out like I'm going to give him a hug. And he holds up his hand and he says, no. He doesn't want you here. And yeah. uh, by that time, you know, it's, this is me walking toward him the whole time. And by the time I get right up next to him, that's when he says, he doesn't want to see you. And I just said, okay, well, he doesn't have to. And I turned around and walked back down the hallway, rounded the corner and went into the bathroom. And 
uh, standing in there, took a pee, <laughs> finished up, <laughs> turn around, washed. turn around, washing my hands, and another one of my cousins, uh, a husband of another one of my cousins, another one of my cousins comes in and sees me standing there washing my hands, and I'm thinking, oh shit, you know what, what, what now? And he was really kind, and he just said, "Oh, hey, 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 Shay. The, oh, I'm, I'm." Gave me his name. Uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm your cousin's husband. I don't know if you remember me. And I was like, oh, of course I do. You know, his used his name. Of yeah. course I remember you, so and so. I, I'm you know, thanks. He's like, oh, I'm really glad you're here. It's good to see you. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate you're the that. only one. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, it's good to see you too. I wish it was under better circumstances. All of the platitudes yeah. that you offer or try to offer. During these kinds of times and left the bathroom, came back out and Tracy was nowhere to be found. I was like, shit, what's going on? (laughs) What the hell? She's starting the car. (laughs) Did somebody kick her her out? Is she, is is somebody giving her a hard time? And then she emerged from the other bathroom and everything was fine. Um, So then we're just kind of talking quietly to ourselves. And I said, well, I guess that answers that question. We're not going to stay for the viewing. Or the family prayer. Um, I said, why don't we just go try to find a seat in the chapel and we'll wait for the funeral to begin. So we go into the chapel. We enter on the opposite side of the chapel from where everybody else is going to be coming in. You know, it's it's the opposite side of the building, the same side of the building where we had parked um, and opposite from where we know the procession is going to be bringing the casket into the chapel. Um and we sat in the second to last pew on the left side inside the chapel because it was only big enough for the two of us. <laughs> like it's, it was a, it was a much shorter bench because it's the way the walls are constructed and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, there was only room for the two of us and, uh, we sat down and Tracy says, well, should I sit on, should I sit on the aisle? And I said, well, why? And she's like, well, you know, just, so then it's harder to see you. And in case there's any kind of problem, like it would be more difficult for anybody to cause a problem if they've got to, you know, get at you over me. And I was like, and I'm thinking to myself, fuck man. It shouldn't be a thing. She's yeah. It, not only should it not be a thing, but she's, uh, Concerned she's enough to about put me. Herself in the way. Yeah, she's concerned enough about me and considerate enough and willing to put <laughs> herself in between me and whatever kind of bullshit may come my way as we're sitting there. And uh, so I just said, "Yeah, sure, uh, thank you. That'd be great." So we swap seats, <clears throat> and we're just sitting there, uh, you know, kind of chatting with each other back and forth. We waited for, you know, about a half hour before um, they started bringing in the flower arrangements and pictures and stuff and setting that up around <clears throat> where the speakers would be, uh, mm-hmm. who would who would be going up to the dais to speak to everybody. So we know that they're going to start soon. And, you know, sure enough, the uh, bishop... Um, of the local congregation gets up and asks everybody to rise. So we all stand. They wheel in the casket, uh, followed by the 
family members that I wasn't allowed to sit with, um, Mm -hmm. usher them into the center pews uh, up front for like the first, God, I think they took up like the first 20 rows in the (laughs) chapel. She got a big Big family. family. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Big Mormon family. Um, Everybody files in and sits down and then the funeral starts. And um, one of the first things, uh, one of the first speakers was one of my cousins who got up and did like a, they call it a life sketch where they kind of talk about the, the life of the deceased person, you know, their, their upbringing, their marriage, how, how their family came to be, how they lived their lives, what they did, that kind of stuff. And, uh, this cousin is talking about, um, you know, kind of goes through the life sketch, talks about how my grandparents started dating when they were very young that my grandmother had a big crush on my grandfather. He was friends with uh, one of her brothers. And they're like my, my grandmother's siblings were really close with both my grandmother and my grandfather. Like they were, they were inseparable. They would travel all around together. They'd go camping, do all kinds of stuff together. Um, but so, you know, my cousin's talking about how my uh, grandmother had this huge crush on my grandfather and he tried to ignore her for a very long time and then finally said, okay, well, when, when you turn 14, <laughs> maybe, so creepy. maybe we can start to go out. Yeah, it is creepy, right? Yeah. Um, this, this, this was in 1940. Yeah, right? but okay. 1940, 42, right around in there. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on in the world at the time. Yeah, Nazis and shit. Super young people in a very small town in northern Idaho or northern Utah. Um, <clears throat> so they start dating. Um, of course, grandmother ends up pregnant, and then they yep, that's then, some heavy dating. <laughs> then they they get married uh, when she's fifteen and gives birth while she's fifteen. And uh, you know, there's there's some chuckling in the in the chapel about all of that. And, uh, uh, my cousin then says, you know, and then, uh, you know, she had the four boys and she talks a little bit about them and she says, and then in January of 1974, Elva became her, my grandma became a grandma. Um, and that is of course talking about me. I was the Mm -hmm. oldest and first grandchild. But I wasn't even mentioned by name. It was just in January of 1974, she became a grandmother. I felt a little slighted by that. And then, you know, she talks about uh, other life events that happened and the birth of the other children and my father being born premature and my grandmother going to see him in the hospital and all of that. And then got pregnant. Yeah. And then got pregnant almost immediately with my. Uh, with her third child, my uncle Rick, um, talking about that, and then you know she she mentions my cousin mentions her father, uh, the youngest, uh, my uncle Jeff, who died in the explosion, and she gets a little choked up talking about her father. She's she was old enough that she still has some memories of him. Uh, she's the oldest mm-hmm. child in, on in that portion of the family, um, and then uh, my aunt that cousin's mother gets up to speak. And this, this aunt was my uncle Jeff's wife. Her first, Michael Jeff was her first husband. Of course, she uh, remarried 
after his death uh, to a wonderful man who's, who's a great guy. And the, so this couple, um, my aunt and my uncle that she remarried, um, Tracy said that as we were exiting the room where the viewing was being held, that they were both all smiles and like waving, trying to get our attention. But there's me trying to, <laughs> trying to not yeah. like make eye contact or bother anybody. I didn't even notice. And she's like, oh yeah, they were like, they wanted to say hi and they were waving and smiling. And anyway, uh, so that aunt gets up and she's talking and she related a story of when um, they had built a home, just I think two or three homes down the road from my grandmother or from my grandparents. And this particular aunt is a little bit clumsy and <laughs> panics very easily and cannot stand the sight of blood. And this was, you know, early eighties and she was in the basement trying to split some logs to put in the, uh, furnace that they had oh, yeah. down there, the, the wood burning mm -hmm. stove that they had in the basement to try to heat that portion of the house. And she was trying to split. The, she was trying to split a log, holding it with her left hand. Came down with the hatchet and chopped off the tip of her thumb. Didn't get her Ooh. thumb out of the way in time. Freaked out, ran from her house up the street to my grandmother's house with a bloody hand, screaming that she'd chopped her thumb off. So my grandmother, <laughs> she's like, and you know, Elva was just. The, the picture of not panicking, knew exactly what to do, packed my mom in the car or packed me in the car, uh, drove down to the house, kept me in the car. She got out, went in the house, found the bit of thumb, <laughs> put it in a cup with ice, got back in the car, drove me to the hospital and they reattached it. And she, yeah, they, they reattached the bit of thumb and it's fine now. Um, but she talked about how just, she was always good in a crisis. She was always there to help people. Um, and it didn't matter <clears throat> who you were or what you needed. Uh, she was always there to help. And everybody knew that she, they could rely on her. Um, they talked about how much she loved all of her children, grandchildren, extended family members. Like I said, this aunt married into the family, mm -hmm. but became the adopted daughter that my grandmother never had. Um, and was super close with my grandmother uh, throughout her life. And so she just talked about how happy she was about that. Um, then my dad got up to talk and he just, he sounded like Tracy said, he sounded like a blubbering fool. Like there were, there was no coherent through line for anything that he said. And all he talked about <laughs> was, food that they ate together and gambling trips that they went on. Like oh. that's, that was the extent of what he said about her. And it all covered a period from like 2005 to 2015, right around like, the period where, where, you know, my sister died, mm -hmm. um, all of that kind of shit happened, but it's like, he's frozen in time in that period. And that's all he talked about. He finished up. My uncle Dave got up there. Um, and he, he delivered a, a good speech. And during his speech, I found out that he had been the primary caregiver for my grandmother uh, during her declining days. That uh, he, he related one story um, that he said, you know, right toward the end, <clears throat> when, when she got to a point where she couldn't uh, 
move very well. And her mind was starting to go uh, that um, she just couldn't sit still. He said, you know, you know, everybody knows how grandma always had to be on the go. She couldn't sit still for anything. And <clears throat> see, now's when I want to reach through the screen and give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, that uh, he was there with uh, visiting with her and helping take care of her one night. And he said, you know, she always had to go. She was, she was feeling really anxious. And so she got up and he said, then spent about two hours walking from the living room into the kitchen, into, into the bedroom. And it's, it's a distance of maybe 40, 50 feet total. But he said she was frail enough uh, that she could only take tiny little shuffling steps and then would sometimes forget where she was or why she was even doing what she was doing and would stop, would turn around, would try to talk. Um, and he said, but all I could do was, uh, you know, be there and try to support her. And, and then he said, you know, I got, he said, I lost my, I ended up losing my temper with her uh, because my grandmother loved to take hot baths, like <laughs> not just any bath, but like a steaming almost to the point of boiling hot bath. That was when she was younger. That was the one thing that she would luxuriate about. <laughs> she would, she would spoil herself by taking a long hot bath. He said, so, uh, you know, I drew a bath for her and, you know, led her into the bathroom and, uh, you know, left her, she got in the tub and he said, and then I hear the water running. He said, you know, I filled it to where I filled the tub with scorching hot water <laughs> that she loved <laughs> to where oh. I thought it would be an acceptable level that would still keep her safe. If, if anything were to happen, I left her to her own devices and then I hear the water running. And he said, and then a short time after that, she came out of the bathroom and said that the water was too cold <laughs> And she would, she would wait until it warmed up. <laughs> he said, so I walked into the bathroom and she had apparently turned on only the cold water and had then filled the tub to the overflow spout. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, you know, and I just, I kind of lost it. And he said, I lost my temper with her and, and I raised my voice and I told her, there's no way that that water is ever going to get warmer. It's only going to get colder. And he said, and you know, and I, I'll have to live with that forever because I just, I feel a whole lot of guilt about that. But, you know, that was just one of the little things toward the end mm -hmm. that um, even though I lost my temper, it was just one of those things that was very indicative of my mom and who she was and what she wanted even at the end. And... <clears throat> And he said, but, you know, um, then we got her settled in, in bed and everything is okay. Uh, but then the whole time he's, he's talking about this, I know <clears throat> that my Uncle Dave has a wife of his own. He's got kids that are young-ish. I think he may still have one that is living at home. But he's got a wife. He's got kids. He's got volunteer stuff that he does. He's a busy guy, and he's the one who's taking care of my grandmother. Meanwhile, my father, not married, no kids that he'll claim anymore anyway, mm. no job, no volunteer efforts that I've ever heard about, yet my Uncle Dave is the one who's 
taking care of my grandmother. So that kind of made me a little angry, like, you know, was just another indication of what a selfish prick my dad is. Um, and so all of that ends, um, you know, they, they have some other people come up and talk. They did a song. Um, and then they did the family prayer in the chapel or the, the, you know, the closing prayer for the funeral before they told everybody that it was time now to head to the cemetery for uh, the burial or the interment or services, mm-hmm. the graveside services. So, um, you know, the family files out of the building first and Tracy and I just, you know, we're, we're standing, they ask everybody to rise. So the family exits, we wait for that all to happen. Uh, Tracy and I leave through the side door again, um, go out to the car and we're sitting in the car, just kind of talking about, um, things and stuff and junk and, and waiting for the funeral procession procession to start. And, um, there were a few things I don't, I don't need to talk about while we we're sitting there. They aren't really germane, just things I noticed about other family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this procession starts, um, we join the procession and drive from the mortuary or from the church over to the cemetery. And we arrive at the cemetery and we're in the long line of cars. And I told, you know, we're, we're sitting there, it's raining. Um, it's cold. And Tracy said, do you want to, do you want, do you want to get out? Do you want to go over to the grave? And I said, well, you know, if, if my cousin Brandon isn't going to be limited in his actions by, you know, confronting me in a church, surely outside at the cemetery, he's going to be even less restricted. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to cause an even bigger scene. I, I don't like, I just, I don't want to upset people more than they already are. So <clears throat> we just decided to sit in the car uh, and watch as other people uh, attended the graveside service. So we're sitting there in the car and just kind of chit chatting, watching people mill around, mill about while they're, uh, pulling the casket out of the, out of the hearse and then, you know, walking it over to, uh, the grave site. When I see, uh, my cousin who, who I said did the life sketch, uh, it's my mm-hmm. cousin Brooke and <clears throat> she came up to the car and I thought, Oh God, <laughs> what, what now? <laughs> like, like the windows are up. We're, we're both just sitting there. It's raining. I'm watching everybody. And she comes up to the car and I'm thinking, fuck, she's going to, you know, she didn't mention me by name during the thing. So that's what I was running with. I'm thinking, oh, well, she's going to come and say that we need to leave. She's going to, she's going to, you know, tell us that we can't even park here in the cemetery. So, you know, she, she gets up close and she kind of waves through uh, the driver's side window as I'm sitting there. And I roll down the window. And uh, she says, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy to see you. Can I give you a hug? 
So I said, of course. <laughs> and I uh, got out of the car and I gave her a hug and immediately just broke down and was just mm-hmm. sobbing. <laughs> uh, just, just bawling. <laughs> and said, you know, thank you so much. Um, and she said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry for how everything's gone. She's like, are you going to come over to the graveside? And I said, no, you know, Brandon already, uh, confronted us in the church and told us that, uh, we needed to leave or that my dad didn't even want to see me there. So I said, you know, I don't, I don't want to upset anybody. So we're just going to, we're just going to hang back over here. But, you know, thank you so much uh, for stopping and saying hello. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And she started crying more and said, you know, you were her grandbaby. You were her first mm-hmm. and oldest grandbaby. She would have wanted you there. I'm so sorry that happened. I'm mad. And I just, I feel so terrible that that happened because she would have wanted you there. Uh, and I said, thanks. Hugged her some more. Um, told her again uh, that I really appreciated it. And and said, you know, it looks like they're starting, so uh, you should go. So then Tracy and I got back in the car and sat there for a little while, uh, just kind of watching people. And then at some point I decided, well, this is silly and just kind of <laughs> makes us look like we're being creepers or <laughs> being weird about it or whatever. <laughs> I said, so, you know, it's basically over. We're not going to participate at the graveside thing. And clearly we're not going to go back for the family luncheon. So for you, listener, uh, the other thing that happens uh, in a Mormon funeral is that after you go to the cemetery and you drop off the casket, everybody uh, usually travels back to the ward house or the church, and you have like a family luncheon or dinner <clears throat> that is prepared by typically the what is called the Relief Society within the LDS church that's uh, uh, unpaid labor. Yeah, un- unpaid labor <laughs> uh, reserved for the women folk to prepare and serve food to everybody because. It's a very sexist, misogynist organization Mm -hmm. (laughs) where that's one of the most important duties a woman can have is making sure everybody's fed and taken care of. Uh, So, uh, you know, I said, clearly we're not going, you know, we're not going to hang out here. We're not going to go back to the church. So I guess we'll just head home. And she said, sure. So we got in the car, left the cemetery and um, drove over to, I've, my grandmother, my grandparents' home uh, is fairly close to the cemetery, and I thought, okay, well, we'll just we'll drive by. I hadn't seen the house for at least the last four years. Yeah. Uh, so we, I decided, oh, we'll just we'll go and uh, drive past the house, and uh, got to the house, and in the driveway there's a giant dumpster. You know, they're hauling out and getting rid of all of the shit that needs to go when somebody dies. There's her bed, there's clothing, you know, assorted, the assorted junk and detritus that's accumulated throughout the life of an 86 year old woman. 
And um, Tracy had never seen the house in the light of day. We had only, whenever we had gone there before, it had always been late in the evening or at night to have dinner or to stop by to visit for whatever. And uh, so she's like, well, you've told me about some of the stuff around the house. You want to you wanna show me some stuff? So I was like, well, shit, I don't know. Do I, <laughs> do I want to get out of the car? Like, what if somebody comes by what if, while we're walking around on the grounds of, of, of the house and, and the property and you know what if Are Brandon or my you dad don't worry about the cops. what am I what if Brandon or my dad or somebody shows up and I should it's just gonna cause a scene and be a problem and she's like they're gonna go back for the luncheon they're gonna be busy for a while they're still at the cemetery like we've got mm-hmm. some time <clears throat> so uh, I was like okay so we got out of the car walked around uh, to the back of the house and I showed her you know, I, I explained a bunch of the stuff around the house and on the property. My grandfather had built um, this brick and cement uh, grill out behind the house and then ended up covering that. My grandfather was, he fancied himself a carpenter, <laughs> but but was in fact not a great one. And Just like Jesus. <laughs> and uh, the the enclosure that he had made for the back porch when I was a kid, it went through several dis- different stages, right? Initially, there was no cover. Uh, then there was um, like a wall at the end of the back porch that separated it from the backyard uh, to give it kind of a little private space. Then eventually, he ended up putting a roof over it and and finishing it like a like a finished kind of uh, covered patio in the backyard. But because he wasn't as great a carpenter or roofer. As as he would have liked, he chased a, a water leak issue into the roof for that as long as I knew. And so I was showing her sections of the ceiling that were ripped out and you could see water damage in the, in the uh, wood above that. And I'm like, this has been open and exposed for I don't know how long because <laughs> – he just kept cutting pieces of it back until he was until he hopefully found where it was leaking. As I don't know if he ever did, but it's been unfinished like this for decades now. Then I showed her some of you know they had moved a bunch of stuff out onto that back patio area. You know a bunch of old golf equipment and trophies and assorted knickknacks and just junk basically. Uh, but you know, it was kind of fun to just kind of look at some of it and reminisce a little bit. Showed her that he's got a, uh, my grandfather had built a, uh, wood shop. It was, it was his workshop out in the backyard. Um, they had a full basketball court, uh, that was bisected by a fence and he would run irrigation water, uh, into the backyard. When I was a kid, uh, they'd flood the yard to water and then we'd all play in the water until grandpa got upset because we were tearing up the lawn underneath. <laughs> so I showed her that, showed her the, showed her the workshop and, uh, you know, looked at a bunch of stuff, chatted a little bit, walked back around to the front of the house, showed her the planter that he'd made, uh, you know, just kind of talked about some memories of, of being there from when I was a kid. And I uh, got in the car and then decided to head home <clears throat> On our way home, uh, we decided, hey, maybe we should stop for lunch because by this time it's, you know, lunchtime. And uh, 
one of the last places that I had spent any time with my grandmother and my father was at uh, Maddox Ranch House. It's a mm. restaurant yeah. uh, there near Brigham City or in Brigham City. And Tracy's like, well, let's just stop in there for lunch. So we did. We went over there for lunch and I pulled into the parking lot. I'm driving around trying to find a parking spot and it's completely packed. Like there's, there's hardly any spots available. So I'm making my second pass and loop through around the parking lot and finally find a spot, pull into it. And the car pulls up behind us and stops. And I see that it's one of my cousins. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and it's, it's actually the cousin who contacted me to let me know about my grandmother's okay. death. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I'm telling Tracy, we're, we're like, I just pulled into the spot and this car pulls up behind us. So I was like, oh, it's, it's my, oh, it's, oh, and I just ended up getting out of the car <laughs> and, and walking over. And, uh, he's like, oh, fancy meeting you here. And I'm like, well, what are you guys doing here? And he said, well, uh, we were tasked with picking up the food. Apparently they decided that rather than, uh, having the relief society people, uh, handle all of the, all of the food, they were going to have it catered with some of my grandmother's favorite food from Maddox. So they were there picking up the food and, uh, my cousin and his wife were very apologetic for how everything went down. They were like, you know, we didn't see you, uh, at, at the gravesite or anything. And I explained, well, you know, Brandon confronted me and I didn't want to cause a scene. So we just hung out in the back and they were both very apologetic and, you know, said they were so sorry to hear that. And, uh, then I was just like, okay, well, you know, thank you so much for letting me know. It was good mm -hmm. to see you guys. They both said they loved me and they were sorry and hoped everything, you know, that I was doing well and that we need to stay in touch. And I said, okay, thanks. They left. Tracy and I had lunch. Uh, we came home and that's just about it. Um, yeah. I'm still. I will say. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Uh, Tracy's an awesome person. Fuck I know yeah. you know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you were going to get to this, but you had sent us a message which sums up most of this, and I'm going to read it. Okay. You had said that um, this was a point that Tracy had made to you the following morning. Okay. The bottom line is that in our society, you, you do not bar someone from a funeral. Petty differences are set aside in times of grief. Not following these rules is looked down upon by most people. You did the right thing by going. Not going would have let credence to what that <laughs> toad narrative had said about you. <laughs> by showing up, you demonstrated that you were an unwilling participant in your disownment from the family. Yeah. Um, she is awesome. I, were it not for her, I certainly would not have gone to the funeral. Yeah. Um, it was only through her encouragement and support that I went. It, it, had it been only me, there's no way I would have gone. Yeah. For sure. Um, so I will be eternally grateful to her for that, for sure. She's just... She's, she's fucking fantastic, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. 
yeah, I don't know what I do without her. She's she's awesome. Um, but yeah, um, after that, uh, I got a message from <laughs> Brandon's daughter sent me a message on Facebook and said, "Hey, uh, I I heard about what my dad did, and I just want you to know how sorry I am and apologize." On my behalf and uh, Michelle, it's it would be her grandmother, Brandon's mother. Apparently, she heard what Brandon did and was also very upset. And so Brandon's daughter reached out and said, hey, I just want to let you know uh, how sorry I am that, it had, that that happened. And, you know, my dad's kind of an idiot sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but I want to let you know that I'm glad you went, and I'm so sorry that happened. Um, and she said, you know, I didn't go because um, my dad and I, Brandon, my, mm-hmm. she said, my dad and I had a falling out a while ago, uh, apparently when she got tired of him being an abusive drunk. And uh, she said, you know, I haven't really felt like a welcome member of the family myself for a while. So I just wanted to let you know you're not alone and that I'm sorry that happened to you. Uh, and so we're friends on Facebook now. <laughs> uh, she seems like a pretty good kid. Um, I say kid. I think she's in her thirties. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was, it's been pretty rough. Um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't thought about it a whole lot. I haven't, Really, I think, come to terms with it. I think, well, clearly, based oh. on how, how I've been talking about it here. But this I, been, I can tell right now that your your leg is shaking. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm no, no, being a little no, it's antsy. weird because the, the, the back of your headrest is going back and forth, but you aren't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm a little antsy. Uh, just, I, I, and it's understandable. Yeah. It's a lot of emotions. Yeah. And, it's It's been a lot. Um, and this is going out to the public. Yeah. Uh, but I figured ultimately this would be hopefully, uh, cathartic for me Yeah, and kind of a, a way for me to get a little bit more closure. Um, something else happened yesterday that I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh Yeah. In, a, in another episode, maybe. Uh, Once the lawsuit's done. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about that, um, I was thinking about it last night before bed, and part of why that has upset me so much is, <clears throat> you know, some of my earliest and best memories of both of my grandparents were... Uh, Golfing. My grandparents are the reason that I'm a golfer. They they paid for golf lessons for me and Brandon when we were really young. Um, you know, my, it's it's always been a huge part of my grandparents' life and my relationship with them. Um, like I said, that's how I learned to golf. Uh, I can remember being a tiny little kid uh, in their kitchen, uh, and my grandfather had a electric. Uh, putting mm-hmm. machine 
My grandpa probably had the same one. Where where you would you'd hit your golf ball over toward this plastic thing. Uh-huh. Um, spit it back at you. Yeah, kind of shaped like a dustbin. Yep. And yeah, the the ball would travel into there and hit a little sensor and then a pin would, you know, pop out and kick the mm-hmm. ball back to you. And um the cousin that uh told me that my grandmother had died and that I saw in the parking lot there at Maddox uh contacted me and asked me if there was anything special or uh anything in particular that I would want from my grandparents' house, knowing that I wouldn't be given the opportunity to uh, ask for or get anything mm-hmm. myself. <clears throat> he said, you know, I'll, I'll go and uh, get or see if I can get whatever you'd like if you can think of anything in particular. And initially I replied and said, you know, I can't think – or initially I said, you know, it's going to take me a little while uh, to think of something because I haven't been there in quite a while and I don't know how much things have changed or what uh, she may or may not still have. And it was also one of those things that I didn't really want to think about at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one of those closure things. And so I just said, you know, I'll try to come up with something and let you know. And I said, when do you need to know? And he told me he would need to know uh, the now. Wednesday before the funeral. So when that rent, when that Wednesday rolled around, um, the only things I could think of were that old putting machine, which I'm sure is long gone. And on the kitchen table that my grandfather had made, um, and had just been in the home for as long as I can remember on the top of that, they had a, uh, candy dispenser with a wooden base and a glass top and a little sliding thing mm-hmm. at the bottom of it that would, uh, you know, dispense Just, candy from yeah. candy or nuts or whatever they happen to put in. I said, you know, that's about all I can think of, but honestly, I would be thrilled with anything you can grab. Um, so following the funeral and the family luncheon, everybody apparently gathered at the house and that's when they were discussing different items around the house and who wanted what. And when I told him that I wanted that candy dispenser, he said initially, well, I know a lot of other people or a few other people who have expressed an, an interest in it. And so I don't know or I don't think that I'll be able to get that, but I'll try. And uh, so Tracy and I, you know, the next day or, or that night, we're just at home and we were still kind of talking about everything and we'd had dinner and she'd gone to the bathroom and I got an alert on my phone. I saw that it was a message from my cousin and I opened it. Actually, let me see if I can <laughs> I grab the message a photo here. of it. Grab the message here real quick. Um, he sent me a a message and said, I'm glad you decided to go. Uh, I didn't, or I don't think any, oh, this is the message that he, this is when I told him that we were going to go, he replied back and said, I'm glad you decided to go. I don't think anybody, I don't think anyone will be upset to see you there other than your dad. Um, That was the last message I had from him until after the funeral. 
Tracy's in the bathroom. We'd finish dinner and I uh, get the alert on my phone to see that I received a message from my cousin. And the first message says, I managed to bring home the candy dispenser for you. <clears throat> and then he followed up, followed that up with, and so I read that and Tracy, <laughs> Tracy's in the bathroom and she said she heard me just have this big gasp like, <gasps> <laughs> and it was me reacting to that message and getting all choked up. Um, so we got that. And then he said he grabbed a couple other things for you too, but it's hard to pick things. So I don't know if you'll love how you'll feel about them. Uh, one of them is a couple framed pictures of me. And then another <laughs> is this homemade putter that my grandfather had made. And it's this, <laughs> this, this awful little block of wood that's maybe inch and a half, two inches wide and about three inches long and set into the top of it where the shaft meets this block of wood that is painted yellow <laughs> is uh, an inlaid picture of my grandmother that is then covered in uh, epoxy or, or some resin. And that, and, and then the shaft on it is really short. It's only, you know, it's just over two feet oh. long. Well, and, she was short. And so uh, thinking about it now, um, you know, of, co of course I loved that and, and replied mm -hmm. to him and said, you know, oh my God, thank you so much. I love every bit of it. I'm, I'm so thankful. Thank you. We took them out for dinner and had a long conversation afterward. The, that's a whole other thing. I learned, <laughs> I learned a bunch of stuff during that. Uh, anyway, um, so he gets, he gets that, sends me the pictures. And in thinking about it, uh, last night after what had happened, uh, with this putter that I'm trying to get, uh, customized and, Mm. then that, you know, facing some issues there that I'm still dealing with. Um, but it hit me last night that part of the reason that I was so incensed and upset uh, by the company contacting me to tell me that they're not going to do it <clears throat> is that I realized I tie a lot of my memories and even my sense of being and sense of self to golf and its relation to a lot of shared memories that I have with my grandparents. And uh, then I realized too, that that tiny little putter, I sent it to, <laughs> I sent a picture of it to my golfing buddies. And one of them replied back. He's like, Oh sweet man, the butter putter, because it looks like, because <laughs> it looks like a stick of butter. Anyway, um, I realized that uh, that tiny little putter is probably the putter that we used as kids uh, mm. in the kitchen in that little uh, putting machine. And it just, it hit me last night that that's a big part of the reason I'm so, I was so upset and am so upset about uh, what happened yesterday um, because it's so linked to those memories uh, mm -hmm. of time spent with my grandparents and then just that's that's another denial, another kick in the teeth of of being able to hold and maintain those memories of them. And it was something that uh, you know I wanted to get customized and figured eventually this is going to be the last putter that I ever get, and I will use it for a very long time. I've got one of my grandfather's old putters, um, and I figured this is something that I'll be able to pass down 
to one of my grandkids and it'll be something that I had personalized for mm-hmm. me and it and it speaks to who I am. And then that was denied. Um and that yeah, it was just very upsetting mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. <clears throat> but yeah, that's something else that we'll probably talk about here in another episode or two. There's been some developments around that. I know I haven't really <laughs> talked about it during this episode, but holy shit, we are now at over a little over two hours in. So Yeah. Thank you, Ryan, for allowing me to vent. Oh, you're welcome. I was going to let you vent as long as you wanted. <laughs> I'm here for you. I know I, you would. I am your through the screen rock. And I know you need this. I can't. It's, it's, I can't it's tell rough. you. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and how much I love you. And fuck, man. Seriously. Thank you so much. Well, now you're going to make me cry. For, <laughs> sorry. Um, but I do appreciate it more than you know. And yeah, I love you, man. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm always here, whether it's a short drive or a phone call away. <laughs> yeah, I do. And that's the that's part of the beauty of you being you, man. You're you're a fantastic person, Mr. Duffy. Thank you. Uh with that, I hope you all don't mind. Uh, if we forego Patreon, yeah, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're gonna do uh, the Patreon patrons tonight. But know that we do appreciate your patronage of the show uh, a lot. Thank you so much. With that, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm I'm hoping I won't cry a whole lot more, <laughs> but I might. Um, I'm gonna go have dinner with Tracy, hang out. Thank well, you. Thank you, Ryan. I need to call my dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Good night. Yeah, it wasn't until about 15 minutes ago where my my bladder, I, I just sneezed a little while ago. I was like, oop, I got all really close to the when I sneezed. I wasn't really prepared for maybe a really long episode. <laughs> <laughs> I will be right back. Okay, I'll go do that also. <laughs> okay. I think I'm, I think I'm just, I haven't eaten anything today. And so I'm drinking whiskey and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to moderate because, uh, I'm either going to be just drunk enough that I can get through it easily, or I'm going to melt into a fucking puddle. I don't know. Okay. I'll, I'll try to play therapist and help you out. (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So we were going to, we were going to get into the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? Are you ready for it? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, but I'll struggle through it.